Yo, yo, this is Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hello, beautiful humans. Uh, we got Dan here. We got Adam here. We got Jack here. We got Ryan here. We got AJR in the studio. Woo! And we got uh, something very fancy on the TV to my right. We do. We brought our uh, Pro Tools setup for the interview, oh. which is apparently a first for you guys. It is. Yeah. I've never seen in real life like the guts of an album or the guts of a record and how many different layers it actually takes to make up this sound that we end up getting lost in. And when you listen to Neo Theater, and we're going to really dive in, you pick up, I've realized that when I listen through different speakers, right, whether I'm listening in my car or compared to like my little AirPods, I pick up different little things in every mm. record that I miss. Oh, that's cool. So it's pretty it's pretty sick to see how it's all laid out and how it comes together. Yeah, we brought this here. So we, we made the entire album just literally on this laptop. We brought it here. We can go through whatever we come up with. I also have like on Spotify, I have like all of the references because sometimes we get really inspired by like, we got really inspired by like a Kerry Hilson. You know that uh, mm-hmm. Pretty Girl Rock song? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like the first beat we heard and the yeah. way it like interacted with the voice inspired one of the songs. So I, I don't know. We could just show you a lot of stuff. What is the line of inspiration and giving somebody credit? Do you get what I'm saying? Like there has to Very be much. a line that kind of divides the two. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Amazing question. Um, I think everybody's inspired by everybody. I think that's what art is. And I think when you first start out, everybody is just kind of like looking to everyone else. You know, I, I, I love the Beach Boys. I'm going to do what they do. And then you get to a point where you become confident enough in your own sound to be like, I can break those rules. You know, I, I know what I can say that no one else is saying. Um, and I don't know. I think we still definitely get inspired by a lot of stuff, but we've gotten really good at incorporating it into the AJR world. For you guys, at what point did confidence actually set in? Like, at what point were you confident enough to express your true feelings? Yeah, I think it was the last record. I think it was The Click. Yeah. Yeah. What was it that sparked it? And was it before? Like, was it making The Click? Like, is it evident your confidence is evident in The Click? Or did The Click spark the confidence? I think while we were making The Click, at a certain point it clicked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interview over. Yeah, end it there, right? But um, <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, when we started the click, it, the idea was let's make a lot of songs about things that have never been written about before. And I think it was a moment, maybe it was around when Week first started popping off, where we realized, oh, this is a good thing we're doing. It's not, it either could have been, this is a really bad thing we're doing. We're not writing any love songs, any relationship songs. Like, what are we doing here? And then as soon as we started getting you know, a little bit of validation from the fans, like, oh, what we're doing is actually connecting. Then we went head first and wrote the rest of the click and and really decided, let's write all of the craziest concepts we can come up with. And we've just kind of snowballed from there. Is it honesty that you feel like you feel comfortable sharing your inner thoughts? Like, what, what is it? Like, how, how does confidence manifest itself in the music? I think it is really honesty. I think that's kind of the most important thing we realized. I think it, we we hadn't really heard many songs where people kind of just put all their thoughts and heart out on the table in the most blatant way possible. And we said, okay, let's just try that. And then we put out a couple songs with that theme and we realized that we were really comfortable with doing that. Yeah. We were really comfortable with saying the phrase last album sales could have been higher. It didn't really bother us. It more just made us excited for people to know that last album sales could have been <laughs> higher because 
in one moment, and this is really important to us, it put us on the exact same level as the fans. I think that a mindset that we've always wanted to not have is a God's mindset. We've always wanted to be on the exact same level. So if we can treat songs like they're more of a conversation with a lot of honesty, I think we would that that's that's our version of doing a good job. What did you what do you think people learned about the three of you from that album? I think they learned I think they learned more than they should have <laughs> because we really got carried away with that theme and I guess that's what people liked. Every single song was just kind of a piece of our brain and an idea that we really wanted to share that we're okay that we're not famous and stopped on the street everywhere. We're okay that last album sales could have been higher, that we don't have as many friends as that as we wanted to. I think they learned a lot of our insecurities, but also the things that make us unique, you know? But that vulnerability lends itself to a pretty strong and pretty spectacular relationship with the people on the other side of the speaker. Yeah. Right? When you are when you share and you open yourself up and people hear and see themselves in these records... I don't know. That's a bond. Yeah, seriously. And I think that really comes through uh, at our shows, too. I think when we go on stage, I think there's that kind of understanding because we go out and we say these lyrics. And in this moment, it really doesn't feel like there's someone high up on stage. It really just feels like it's more of a conversation, right. uh, which is really cool, honestly. And it's something that I don't really see in a lot of live shows. Back to honesty real quick in the lyrics. We were talking the other night at dinner. I took a pill in Ibiza. That was a record that kind of yes. really helped you. Yeah. Yep. That, that was a big influence moment. I think the first time we heard Mike Posner, I, I took a pill in Ibiza, we, we, we put it on, and then the first line, which is this. I took a pill in Ibiza to show Avicii I was cool. And that. And then I think, honestly, our lives were changed in that moment because we were like, oh, my God. Like, I took a pill in Ibiza to show Avicii I was cool. What does that mean? But for some reason, I know exactly who Mike Posner is right now, and yeah. I want to go have dinner with him, seriously, and just hear about that story. And so that was just sort of like a drug in that moment. I realized yeah. we just have to do that. That's so great that he can be that honest and that vulnerable uh, in two seconds of a song. Yeah, you know, so we just kind of took that and we're like, let's try doing that. It's the power of words and the power of lyrics. Yeah, seriously. Are there lyrics that like maybe sit on a notepad somewhere that didn't make it into a record? But yeah, it's uh, my entire phone is filled with notes. A lot of them got so weird. So, Remember some of, some of the so, ones I like incoherent, you? like glasses nerd. You know, just, like, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm just saying the most random stuff. That's like <laughs> nerd arrow to nerd. <laughs> what nerd. am I building on my phone? <laughs> yeah. um, some of them got like. Like, I remember I had written one about, like, um, like Harvey Weinstein. I just wrote a line. There's an example of we went way too far. I wrote it down. I'm not going to tell you what the line was, but it was, like, my take on Harvey Weinstein and everything that was going on at that uh, at that time. And Jack was like, this is way too much. So there is a line, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's Harvey Weinstein. The that, line is Harvey. The line, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> uh, social commentary is a big thing, and it's evident in neo theater. So let's dive in and... Uh, Where's the name come from? Let's start there. It's kind of fucking weird. Yeah. yeah. We, our favorite thing is when people come up to us and say, like, I think you meant that. You know? I, I, so I, I don't want to explain it too much. Because, okay. like, also, those are the best movies where it's like, I think he died at the end. I think he didn't. Yeah. Um, but I'll just tell you, like, to us, it kind of meant, um, I think a lot of the album, like, the first half of the album is about being naive and being innocent and thinking... The world is going to be an easy place. You know, birthday party is like, oh, I, life is going to come really easy. And then towards the second half of the album, it's us kind of becoming disillusioned and becoming jaded and realizing 
shoot, you know, it's it's actually really hard to meet someone and do we have to do product placement with with Beats by Dre in order <laughs> to make it like a lot of these more cynical thoughts. So we thought let's invent this world, this like all-encompassing world called neo theater where you can go where you don't have to learn all of those lessons that we're learning in our 20s and you could just kind of be in a new theater and play pretend. Even though the album is pretty much life, right? I, I think so, yeah. I think it's life as a 20-something-year-old. I think that's like all we can write about at this point. And, and that's what stood out to me in every record was how nostalgic yet present every song felt. Hmm. And yeah. it, 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 it's beautiful. Next that's, up, yeah, that's the first thing that you said to us, right, when we played him the first song on the album. That's literally, it was like the nostalgic but present, and that was like, we are like, oh yeah, that is what we were trying to go for. Yeah, yeah. cool. Because a lot of the stories you're telling are in a Disney fashion. Next Up Forever is, when I first listened to it, I was driving to work, and I started crying, man. <laughs> Be, because I, I think a lot of people feel that way, right? Like this idea that you're in a healthier, more confident position when you're looking to make that next move, then maybe when you're actually making the next move or after, yeah, you, you feel, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. That concept first came about while we were writing something on the click. And I remember Jack saying like, it's so much more, even just while you're eating, it's so much more fun. The anticipation of a really good meal coming to the table yes. is probably better than the eating. Yeah. And then we just started extrapolating on that and thinking about our career and our life and how much more fun it is to be second in line for the roller coaster than actually doing the roller coaster and what a kind of messed up frame of mind that is because you're are you like constantly sabotaging yourself it's a very confused way to start the album so do you take this thought about food and then like let that thought sink in and then start analyzing yourself do you remember that about the food when we were doing the uh, good part yeah i actually think that's how a lot of our songs come about we kind of the, the ideas come from something so unimportant and small and then our first thought in, in a very unhealthy way is okay how can we make a song about that because that's <laughs> yeah. kind of our first thought whenever anything happens in life and uh if we can take something so meaningless like that and turn it really big you can make a song like this so you know there's choirs and then there's what you have yeah i have well, this open do you want to just dive into it quickly yeah we can play the play this is the first second of the album when it's, you turn it on it's familiar yet different yeah and and this what you're about to hear is a sound that we knew we wanted to work with for this album for a really really long time yeah um and we didn't know how we were going to do it but we just kind of dove in and did it and this is kind of what happened your eyes are open so never close them. so it has this like old-fashioned fire <laughs> And we knew we wanted to make it sort of like a sample that no one's ever heard before. So they say, oh, wait, wait, did you make your own sample? Like, did you actually record your own sample to use as a sample? You know? Yeah. And so I'll play more of it later. But our goal was we wanted to go like headfirst into this. We got really obsessed with this. It's called Close Harmony Choir. And it was like the biggest form of choir music entertainment in like the 1940s. And we thought... Let's not just, if we're going to do this kind of music, let's not put an effect on our voice and pretend like it's old fashioned. Let's learn everything there is to know about this kind of music. And so uh, we discovered this group called the Mellow Men. Yeah. And they were like the equivalent of like a boy band for the 1930s <laughs> and 40s. <laughs> and they had, here, I'm going to play you like one second of it and you're going to recognize it immediately, like this kind of music. So like listen to their harmonies, hold on. Meet me tonight in dreams. 
So you like, it sounds very alien because nobody harmonizes like that, but it all sounds like one big voice. Voice, exactly, yeah. yeah. And so I know every single song by the Mellow Men. I spent the last year basically researching exactly how musically that works because it's very different from gospel choir. It's like a very specific type of arrangement. So we so, thought that if, if we... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just want to know what the arrangement is. Right? right, yeah. Yeah, it's... You can't really pick out a melody. That's what it is. Like, the, the melody is on top. Under the silvery moon. But every melody that's interworking is equally loud and equally dynamic, and they're all moving at the exact same time. So it just sounds like one big voice. And then when you have... A big choir like what we did at the end of Next Up Forever, which is this. It just sounds like a big, not powerful gospel choir, but like the voices in your head yeah, kind of nostalgic feeling. Oh, it's magical. Like, magical. I just see it like flowing around me. Right, right exactly. But, yeah, but that's, is that you guys singing? No. No, no, it's not. So yeah, we, uh, another way, we, 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 we really just wanted to go all out with this. We didn't want to fake it in any way. We wrote this, and then we got uh, this guy named Bruce Healy, who actually arranged stuff for the Mellow Men in like the 50s and 60s. We got him to arrange it, and he brought together a choir. We recorded it on old telephone mics, from the 1940s and 50s. So we wanted everything about this to be the most authentic it could possibly be and then combine it with like the dirtiest hip hop hip hop beat you've ever heard and yeah. create that juxtaposition. Okay. Wow, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm glad we finally got to talk about this. Yeah. Phenomenal. But it's expensive. Yeah, so the mindset behind this was okay, we 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 put out our first album Living Room to no one. No one really wanted it. We put out also we put out the click seriously. To, no, no, one, no one was asking for it. This is all true. We put out the click also to really to no one. No one not a big group of people was not asking for the click. But now the click did the, the click ended up going gold and we developed a fan base as it got bigger. People are actually asking for this now. So that we were thinking like, okay, let's like work really hard on this. And we've uh, the past two albums, Living Room and the Click, we it costs like a hundred dollars to make in total. So we were like, okay, we have some money now. We have a fan base that wants it. Let's actually spend some money and make this really, really cool and try to do the best we can. So that was kind of our mindset. We said, like Ryan said, we're not gonna fake an old voice. Let's just make a real old voice. Let's go all out for this. So. I gotta go so much bigger so everyone is proud of me. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. That's quite a statement. Yeah. And we also did the uh orchestra in the exact same way this is just a piece of it all of this is live we did yeah. in the studio with a big orchestra <laughs> anyway it was just you the know. coolest experience yeah. ever for who us who writes yeah. the music for that is that you guys writing it yes we, so go ahead Ryan. yeah we did we basically did it as a demo with all fake synthesizers and stuff the way we produce the rest of our stuff then this guy went in and was like okay I see the saxophone is doing this and the flutes are doing this and yeah this is all new for us, but we knew we didn't. We knew first we didn't want to fake it in any way because it would just feel like huh. you're making kind of a lame pop version of an old type of music. We wanted to make it the realest, dustiest old sample mixed with really new. When it's time to go bigger, there's pressure here, right, to deliver something spectacular. Yeah, like it, it exists because one, your bank account's feeling it. People are clamoring for it. They want it. How do you stay focused and how do you make decisions that you know are best for the product and your fans first? That is a really hard question that we just grappled with the entire time while we were writing. Um, while we were writing this album, I remember we, we when we when we first 
you know, release the name, we added to the caption, this is the hardest thing we've ever worked on. And that wasn't exaggeration. It's truly what it was because of what you just said, basically. We had success with the click. People knew our sound, what we wanted. And we had to make this decision. Should we be a band that delivers the exact same thing again and satisfy the people? Or should we make something just a little bit different and a little bit bigger maybe lose some fans but maybe gain some also and maybe just change the mindsets of the fans that we already have and we said no we want to do that you know we want to change within ourselves we want to change our fans minds that sounds like the most fun to us honestly it's the proper challenge to take on yeah and and if we just said uh Let's let's make another click. There would have been nothing to be nervous about. You know, we would have written 12 songs that sounded like the click. We'd be like, I know all of our fans will like this. But this is just more fun. We have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't one of the first lines you sing on the album, I'm kind of scared to drop this album? Yeah, exactly. And that's extremely true. You know, I don't want to go into this saying, no, I'm so confident it's different and everyone's going to totally yeah. vibe with it because that's just not true. We are absolutely scared to drop an album with new risky ideas. Yeah, because also as a band, you're only as successful as your most recent successful thing so right now oh the click went gold and burn the house down went gold and like all we're like living high as soon as we put out the next thing if it doesn't do well we're you know we're back to square one so there's always that feeling a little bit when you've had a little success of like do i just live in this for a second i think there's a balance right maybe you want to live in it a little bit yeah soak it in marinate in it yeah but Ultimately, you got to do what's in your gut and what's in your brain and what challenges you because if you keep doing what you're used to, then like – I don't want to say what's the point, but like – What's, what's the yeah. point? When, well, I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say when Jim Carrey first did, do you see the Truman Show? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like the one of the best movies of all time. He was really nervous because he was only known as, you know, Ace Ventura and what, all those like screwball comedy stuff. He said, I know I'm going to lose a lot of fans, but I think I'm going to gain a lot more fans by doing a serious role. And it worked for him. And therefore, at every point in his career, it's like, I'm going to try a serious TV show. I'm going to try a horror movie. He knows he's losing fans, but it's worth it if you can gain fans and be satisfied, right? These records are big. They, But they're also, it's still AJR. The lyrics are still relatable. 100 Bad Days. The Disney sound is kind of matched by Disney-type stories that you're telling. Mm-hmm. 100 Bad Days is deeper than a human being would think at a, at the very beginning of it. Like right. Based on first listen, you might not catch how deep it actually is, which mm-hmm. is essentially yeah, everybody has bad days. Right, yeah. Right? But, like, I ain't scared of you. Yeah. Make the most out of it. Yeah, I think that just started with a bad day, honestly. I think we just had a bad day of shows. We, we, we played some maybe like private shows and no one cared and it just kind of sucked and then I think I said to Ryan a million bad days make a million good stories not even song on concept I think I had that written in my phone and he was like no a hundred bad days made a hundred good stories that's terrible dialogue that's definitely not what happened but (laughs) (laughs) no a hundred no but anyway that would be in like the Bohemian did you see the Bohemian Rhapsody movie right right no dude it's a hundred bad days (laughs) such a like uh, exposition way to show what happened but anyway uh I think in that moment we realize, okay, this is definitely a song concept and this is definitely the most relatable song concept ever. And I could say that with like complete assurance because literally everyone I've ever talked to loves to share their bad days. It's like mm-hmm. their favorite thing. I got in this, I got in a car accident and it was crazy and I sued the guy and we went to court. And that's the best story to tell ever. So, you know, there's this weird thing where people like having the bad days because you get to tell a great story and we thought that would be just really well received widely you know i get so true yeah Yeah, nobody cares about the positive stories everybody wants to hear about the bad stuff. exactly those are the best ones yeah Yeah. and and so sonically we knew 
We wanted it to be this big anthem, this big... We wanted our first single, whatever it was. We wanted to come out with just a bang. Um, now, here we, we are. Yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so we, we got really inspired by, like... Uh, I, I, I've said this before, but there was, like, a, a moment in, like, 2010, 2011. Remember, like, Lupe Fiasco, The Show Goes On. Of and this yeah. one, which we love. Zone of mirror for me. Oh, wow. Right above it. Remember this song? Yeah. yeah. Where it's, like... There's a full-on distorted hip-hop beat, but then there's ba -ba -ba, just beautiful horns going. Yeah. And so we uh, we got, I think JJ did the horn section. Let me yeah, he that. did. Yeah, that's our trumpet player. He is phenomenal. Yeah, mm. he came back with like... And again, I sent him synthesizers, and he sent back this. And then just kind of like combined it with the track. Yeah. So it feels like this like big distorted Macklemore kind of thing. And, and one more thing about that i think the main theme we wanted for this song was was this essentially we've put out like uh bangers i hate using that word for about <laughs> what, my own song but like <laughs> like a set like what we want to be a banger like that you would play during the party so and that was weak basically we wrote that to be a song that you basically start the night with um and then also i've seen people uh, my friends dancing in a bar or a club to burn the house down that has happened that's sort of like a middle of the night sort of thing but we've never written a last song of the party basically the last song you play as the night is winding down and you're about to go to sleep it's that nostalgic kind of this was awesome sort of feel and that's exactly what we wanted to do with 100 bad what's what's days. like an example of a song that's that i can't think <laughs> i can't think of one <laughs> you know macklemore has a lot of has a lot of those oh, ones you know, that, like we are young by there fun you that's yeah. where you like there hug you your best friend at the end of the night but yeah. this has a great breakdown who does that voice like who, who uh are you talking bird? about the oh yeah hundred bird days made are you that, that and then oh, the bridge. Uh, then the other one uh then it goes like this. Goes, screw your yeah. thing. I think that was, was that you or me, Rai? Uh, I did screw your thing. It goes like this. You yeah. did Hundred Brothers. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This bridge was pretty cool because me and Ryan were just writing it and the whole thing took like 20 or 30 minutes. And then I think we were laying there, listen, and I just went with my mouth. I just went, and then Ryan was like, record it. That's the bridge. It was just, it was that easy. It you took know? you 20 minutes to write? This song, I, I might be exaggerating, maybe an hour, you know, like the whole, it, yeah, start it was to really quick. It, yeah how long to produce uh a lot longer um yeah yeah this this was one of the songs that solved our writer's block we had a pretty bad writer's block uh during while we were writing this uh album because i think we we started out really strong remember like in the beginning we were like karma don't throw my legos we we're like oh this writing an mm. album is so easy i forgot what was such a <laughs> problem with it and then we got into a rut and we started like thinking back like oh this worked really well for us before and we started like you know we wrote a lot of halves of songs that we weren't that excited about and then 100 bad days was the first one that we came back with and we were like okay let's try to antidote our writer's block that lasted like two months or so or, wow. or three months yeah with something that's just we know our bread and butter you know just a big like banger kind of song we don't have to try so hard you know because yeah. 100 bad days is we're definitely not trying very hard in that, and in the best way possible, you know, <laughs> for us. So, when you're going through this writer's block, are you attempting to write and nothing's coming out? Remember it, how bad that was? It that was, was a horrible. It was really months. bad, and I, I'm I'm actually excited that 
this happened because we've never experienced it before. So I'm glad I get to you know talk about it now. It was really weird. It started with this. It started with so we wrote the two songs we wrote before that started were um, "Don't Throw Out My Legos" and "Karma," like you said. And both of those songs have a really big emotional side to them. They're very emotional songs uh, because we were both feeling emotional at the time. We had just moved out of our parents' house and we were kind of starting on this new album. So we really got into that feeling and. AJR's thing is to not just have one emotion on an entire album. So we were like, okay, we're writing too many emotional songs. Why don't we change it up? And that is where it really started because then we started to force happiness and like force, let's have fun together and let's be weird. And that's just never going to work unless it comes naturally. So we kind of got caught in that weird uh, vortex of just writing half not great forced songs so that was a good two months of that and it was such a weird feeling there were times where i was in the booth and we were recording songs and i was like screaming i was just like this is i was like screaming i was like this is so frustrating because this has never happened before yeah we were like writing is supposed to be fun and it just it really wasn't fun yeah and it's because we were well go ahead would you blame it on life i mean you were moving out of your parents house there's a lot of things happening i would blame it on a million things i blame it on life and i'd also blame it on what we were talking about before which is trying to find the right uh, mix of click, the click versus the new album. Uh, I think there was also a point in the writer's block where we were trying really hard to write the cl- songs from yeah. the click. Let's, uh, I didn't smoke no grass today. Let's write that for Neo Theater. Yeah. And we came up with all these lines and they just felt so forced to us. It was like, I don't really feel that right now. I don't really feel that honest. You were know? you forcing yourself in a box because you thought that was the safest move? Yes, that's exactly what we yeah. were doing. Yeah. And it was the worst feeling ever. And I think the greatest feeling ever is when we came out of it, it was literally like a weight was lifted off our shoulders. So cliche, but it's so true. Yeah. And as soon as we got out of it, 100 Bad Days kind of saved us. Right after that was birthday party, you know, finale, Dear Winter. We just were on a roll and we never got back into the writer's block. We just like finished the album. Yeah. But the first two, that pre-writer's block was... Karma and Don't Throw Out My Legos. Yeah. And Next Up Forever. Next Up Forever. Is, do you hear a difference in the quality of those three records compared to the rest of the album? Oh, that's oh, wow. such a great question. Um, do you? I don't think so, <laughs> I no. Don't. I, I don't think so. Well, I can hear that Karma sounds more like The Click. I'm not, uh, saying oh, it, do it, I'm not saying it doesn't sound like Neo Theater, but yeah. I'm saying it does yeah. remind me more of The Click. Yeah. I think it's a great record. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It's nice. a deep thought, Karma. Do you believe in it? Karma came. From, Karma was the very first one we wrote for the album. Yeah. That, that came from me because I had a really tough year last year. I think it was with all the success of the Click. Uh, I was a little bit blindsided by it because we went so long without success, and the Click kind of just went. And the touring was like in the thousands. Now it's like, oh my god, this is a lot of work. I'm really not used to this. Where I'm in France. Like, I, when did I get here? And honestly, it kind of just hit me. Paris, who? Yeah, exactly. You know, it kind of just hit me, and I started having kind of a bad year from then on. And my entire mind set was I'm doing everything right why am I not feeling better I've, I've been so good I gave this homeless guy a dollar please reward me for that and no one's rewarding me and I was just kind of sat down and I wrote like I, I've been so good I've been helpful and friendly I've been so good why am I feeling empty I've been so good I've been so good this year and I've been so good where the hell is the karma yeah and then I was like okay that's a song for sure you know yeah and then I remember I'll, I'll play I remember the end of the song where it's just like he doesn't take a breath for yes. like a, you, you know what I'm talking about we just that was such a good writing moment. We were in a dressing room in Portland. And we just were going back and forth. Here, I'll play it, and then you'll you'll get a better <laughs> idea. It, it was definitely a Bohemian Rhapsody moment that would not look very realistic on on camera. Yeah. So essentially, the song is I'm in a therapist's office, and I'm just saying all this stuff to a therapist. 
And the end of this song is basically me just, as our time is over, me trying to shove out all of my thoughts before I leave. And I don't take a breath. Yeah, yeah. And so that was like back and forth. Tripped on my own and fractured my elbow. Doesn't that mean that the tours, it was like the most cliche way of writing. And, but you just completed each other's lyric. Exactly, yeah. And then we were like, wouldn't it be so cool if we recorded it without me taking any breaths to kind of show how much more of this I have to say. Oh, you're manic, yes. Yeah. How long did it take you to get that down without breathing? Uh, if I'm being honest, it would sound cool if I told you that I actually did it without breathing, but that was many takes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, how are you going to do it live then? Have you thought of that? No, I haven't thought about that yet. <laughs> That's actually a problem we run into a lot when we're writing. We write all these like really h- melodies that are super up there and complicated, and then Ryan always says, but what about singing it live? And we go, we'll figure that out later. <laughs> and we never really figure it out. So, at what point do you instill that, like, there's like a kind of light, whimsical, like, there's a thing at the end of it that matches with the other songs? Mm-hmm. That's kind of attached to the choir and the other records. Yeah. At what point do you realize that that should be in this song? Because it wasn't done that way originally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, good like, point. I I think that I don't know. Maybe because we were raised on it, like older Technicolor, like kind of old movie music, like that with, with orchestra and choir, feels like the most emotional you could possibly get. It feels like a a string section is like always just the core of sadness, you know, and a brass section is the core of happiness. So um, I don't know, in any songs where we felt like, oh, this is kind of getting sad or this is kind of getting wistful or nostalgic, just throw in that choir and it just amplifies it. But at what point do you decide to put the choir in there? Is it before? This was right. Uh, this this song, How You Hear It, is kind of the first song that we wrote. Even in general throughout the album, at what stage yeah. in the creation process do you go, we need a choir, it needs to sound like this, this is going to be the tie together? Well, that's a good um, question kind of leading into another point that we wanted to talk about, which was a lot of that was actually done after, I think. We had a lot of demos, and then I think we also went back and said, let's kind of throw it here and tie it all together. Yeah. And I think a big mentality in this album was why not? Basically, why not? We 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 have this complete album and now let's kind of finish every song and make it very fine. And why not was the mentality. Why not have a time change? Why not throw the choir in here? You know, why not just do it? Everyone's just, I feel like they're going to really click with it if you hear a bunch of different stuff going on. So just why not? Yeah, we, we like live in a world where like most of music now is like a loop. Mm-hmm. And I just know, just for you, you know, just from listening to it, like a, it's not a bad thing. I guess it's like what's popular, but like a Bozzy song or something is like a loop that's like copy and paste it over and over again. That's kind of the trend. We thought, let's just do the opposite. Let's have every song be this kind of roller coaster. And our dad says, whenever we send him a new song, he's like, you're beating me up with emotions. And we're like, yeah, that's that's the goal. Each song could be like a movie and ups and downs. Is What is pop music then? And does pop music deserve to be defined by one sound? Because... Ozzy's pop music and he has a loop and yeah. you guys could be considered pop music mm-hmm. and it's an emotional journey. <laughs> is there a definition to it? I, In your opinion? I really, I hope not. I think pop is so cool because of what qualifies as pop. Ho- Hosier. Hosier is pop because he had a hit with Take Me to Church. Yeah. I think that as soon as you find a song that doesn't sound pop to you but that 
is played on pop radio, that's just the coolest thing in the world. I really hope pop doesn't have a definition ever, you know? It doesn't deserve one. Yeah, seriously. Your lips to program director's ears. Yep. What, what, yeah. What, what's your feeling on that? Oh, what, I, what, I think it's a pop, it should be made up of every different genre. There should be no real genre for pop. Pop should be what's popular, what people push to the top, what people want to listen to. Yeah. It's not necessarily about one sound. You don't want one sound. One sound causes tune out. Nobody wants that today. It's uh, yeah. Fakakta. So is so is hip hop pop now, or is there still a pop genre? Uh, well, I think there's there's certain songs in the hip hop genre that deserve to be played on pop radio. Yeah, they, they are played on pop radio. There's records that break out, but I think it's about a balance. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You can't lean too heavy in one direction over the other because the people listening to pop radio want a little bit of everything. They yeah. want what is popular across all the different genres to right. feed one solid playlist. Yeah, and they want to be told what to listen to too. You know, they want people who are going to take risks on new music and have access to tastemakers that share songs that they believe in. But you can't program pop with just one ear looking for a few different things. Do you get what I'm yeah, saying? Like, absolutely. Yeah. Strong hooks, yeah, great. If the song is a strong hook, that's amazing. You right. know, if it's super repetitive in the production, whatever. There shouldn't be any guidelines. Yeah, yeah I agree, I, and that's been cool for us because we. In the last, like, two years, we got really embraced by the alternative community. Which we, I guess our songs, like, I don't know. I don't know what the lesson is. I guess it makes sense, but we never really thought of ourselves as pop. We never really thought of ourselves as alternative. We just, I don't know. uh, We just always thought of ourselves as, like, outsiders. And then when you're an outsider, you can either be embraced by no one or you can be embraced by a lot of people. And that seems like what's happening with us, hopefully. And I hope that no artist out there decides to define their ability and their creativity by a genre because the only thing you're doing is limiting yourself. You're putting restraints on your own ability to think free and create from your heart and from your freaking brain. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I and I don't think yeah, what I was saying about the loop thing, like we are not using loops, but that's just because like that's our personalities. You can use loops and have the most creative thing in uh, music in the world. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. There's no guidelines. You just need to figure out what you are and put that into music. Birthday party. It, it, you're singing from the perspective of a baby. Yeah. Th- so birthday party was cool because it was the second song that we put out from the album before the actual album came out. And I think that was a great test of whether fans were on board with the album or not yeah. because it's by far the weirdest it's song so weird. on the album. Absolutely. Yeah. You would agree, right? Yeah. It's definitely weird. And uh, <laughs> I'm really happy to say that the reaction was really great from the fans. And I, they were b- by far my favorite comments we've ever gotten from fans. All of the fans said stuff like um, – uh, First listen, what the hell is this? Second listen, oh, this is weird, but I like it. Third listen, okay, I totally get it now. Give me more or something like that. I'm like, that is so cool. You're listening to it more than once. You're thinking about it. You don't like it, then you like it. Your your mind is working. And I think that's really, really great that we can make that happen. By the way, I think that's one of the big differences between just, uh, you know, a traditional song maybe or like a record like yours or like a movie style song is when you listen, you consistently pick up new things yeah. and you, you hear new lyrics, you pick up new moments and new aspects of it. It just, it makes the picture in your head so much more vivid. Yeah. The more you listen to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are the best, like that's like pet sounds for me, the the whole album. Every time I listen, it's like, never noticed that wood block there. Why'd they do that? Yeah. And that's a little bit lost, I think, due to music consumption now, due to streaming and how many songs Mm. come out constantly. But, it's also due to that people aren't making the right songs, I think. I, I think agree. if people made songs thinking this is going to be listened to for the next f- 10 years, 
music would sound a little bit different, but everybody's mindset is let's have a viral, let's mm-hmm. get on the viral 50, let's have a viral hit right now. And that's not our mindset at all. Our mindset is let's be listening to this 10 years from now, hopefully. You want to make sure it's a badass song. That's what you say to Winter. That's right. Yeah, we do. So, okay, so for before we move to Dear Winter, so in. Um, <laughs> You're so good at moving to other songs. <laughs> I'm so good at stopping you. <laughs> um, so, we uh, went to Columbia this semester while we were uh, writing the album. Me oh. and Jack went part time. Do you want to pick up that intellectual name drop there? Uh, Columbia University. Oh, sorry. Sorry. There we go. Not the country. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not the country. Um, yeah. We went part-time because we kind of needed to get outside of ourselves. Um, we And we took a bunch of film classes. Um, and we heard this sample in this movie called Eraserhead. Have you seen it? No. It's, it's David Lynch, his first movie ever. Uh, yeah, skip to it because it's probably going to take a while. So basically, we had to watch this movie... <laughs> You said this is our teacher. This, this is our professor. At she, she sang for us. So, yeah, we had to watch this movie in class, and we hated the movie so much, we were laughing the whole time. And then she came on and started singing this song, and we were like, that has to go in our, on our album. It's so catchy, and it's so haunting and beautiful. And uh, we had this idea, and we started writing Birthday Party, and we were like, oh, my God, this is the bridge of Birthday Party. In heaven, everything is fine. Everything is totally fine in this perfect world. Uh, but that might not be exactly what this is. So. Yeah. It's scary perfect. So do you hear yeah. this and then create Birthday Party? No, actually, those were two completely separate things. We, yeah, Oh, sorry, yes. What you just said is right. We heard this song, we created a birthday party, and then we remembered, oh my God, we liked this. Let's just throw it in the bridge. Yeah. yeah. Can you go back to Birthday Party now, the file, and so we can see how you made that fit in? Yeah, totally. Yeah, go to the bridge and of uh, Birthday Party. Is she actually being sampled, or did somebody else record it? No, she we is the being sample. sampled. Yeah, somehow uh-huh. we, we cleared how it. How do you find her? <laughs> we're, it, we're very lucky now that we are have people that can do that for us <laughs> we were we were once in a time where we had to do that and apparently one of the writers lives in like brazil, brazil yeah. and one is not alive anymore and she's a thousand years old I, I, she ain't I, on I, twitter bro you can't dm know. her yeah no she's definitely not dmable you know so someone did it and they cleared it and i can't i couldn't believe it happened you know so yeah so this is the bridge of birthday party So cool. Right, another yeah. example of like super old mixed with like a, like hip cutty kind of hip hip hop. Yeah, so that's the yeah. One of the first things I thought when I, I listened to it was I saw a choir of newborn babies singing it. <laughs> oh, during the during the uh, weird. Uh, oh, during the pre-chorus, yeah. right? Uh, yes. Just imagine all these babies in like uh, blankets and little hats, like in the clear boxes. That is te- just singing like this. Oh, in the clear boxes? Are they all premature? Well, you, you, no, no, no. Like, have you ever seen like movies when you when you give birth to a baby, they like put the baby in like a holding room? Yeah, oh yeah, in their little cribs. I thought you meant in, in like a um, oh no, like a premature. Well, I, I forgot what that word is, but uh, it's like a, it, I'm just imagining a lot of tiny babies singing that, and it's terrifying. That's what you're imagining too, right? Right, yeah. right on, my friend. <laughs> that that part and the heaven thing was all um his name is Ezra he's our lighting guy yeah <laughs> and then yeah, like the I, we messed with it a lot but yeah Whoa. 
Yeah, this is honestly, this is how we did a lot of the album. We were on tour for a lot of it, and we just said, okay, to our crew, we, we had like seven or eight crew people, and we said, okay, guys, we need someone to come up and record something random. Who wants to do it? Someone would just show up in our hotel room and say, I'll do it today. But know? why do you need another voice? Why can't one of you guys do it and distort the voice? It just adds more texture. As much as we tried to manipulate his voice, it would never sound as grown up as a 36-year-old guy, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. These songs become so much cooler when you break them down. Really? Yeah. Is this, cool? Uh, cool. this is okay, so good. fascinating. Yeah, this I love it. Cool. Okay. Hey, what's next? I'm soaking it all in. I'm freaking out. But (laughs) it's it's such a good song. Are you you. singing from your perspective? Like, are you the newborn in birthday party? So that's the, the. That's a lot of the other comments that have that have come up, and it's very unclear. And I love that people are like, no, it's this, no, it's this, no, it's this. And it's so great that they're talking. Uh, no, essentially what the concept is is a baby that's just born, and uh, it's, it's looking out at the world and saying, all these things are going to be great. I bet my country's nice to immigrants. I bet we're going to see a female president. You know, So it's wildly ironic. Uh, and it's a little bit sad because it's this baby thinking, like, this is all going to be great, but he's going to grow up or she's going to grow up and be like, okay, none of this stuff really worked out, you know? Yeah. How, but, how does that thought even come into your head? Uh, yeah. What, I, how did that happen? To me, uh, we have a neighbor who just had a baby and we were, like, giving the baby a bath and we were talking and it was at the time that, like, the Brett Kavanaugh stuff was happening and uh, the baby's mom, her name is Sari, she was like, oh, you, you don't know about any of this. The world is, like, great to you. And oh, yeah. uh, and that's what like gave us the idea, like how everybody's paying attention to me. Like, uh, do you think that that's what the rest of life is going to be? Um, and yeah, this song got like uh, pretty political. It's like probably the most political song on the album. Definitely, yeah. Um, and we we had what's the word trepidations? Is that the right word? Like he- like hesitation? Yeah, yeah Trepid- trepidations. Yeah, about that. Um, because I think it sometimes if you mention something political, it divides people, and we get comments that's like. Stick to music. Um, but I don't know. I think just in 2019, none of us can go anywhere without seeing Trump on TV, no matter what your opinion is. And so I think it would be kind of dishonest to not talk about it. It would be like putting on blinders. No, I, I didn't notice anything uh, at the election. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's important for us to give our opinion in our music. I, I know a lot of artists don't. I, like, um, you know, like Katy Perry chained to the rhythm. She was like, this is about the election, but it, it wasn't really like she didn't really give an opinion of any kind. I feel like in when when we look back in history, I would like to have our name on a certain side of history and uh, us putting our stamp saying we disagreed with this. We agreed with this because after we're all dead, like all we have is our art. So I'd like my art to give my opinion. Wow. It's crazy that you have morals both publicly and privately. <laughs> so Was crazy. that sarcastic? <laughs> it's so hard to wrap my brain around. No. <laughs> And also, you're just living genuinely, right? So even without your opinions, you're, it's kind of just a commentary on our reality. You're, right. not, you're not telling anybody what they don't already know. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was saying on YouTube, they're saying, "Yeah, just don't don't go to politics." And it's like it's uh. not as much politics as it's truth. I bet our country's nice to immigrants. Uh, most of the U.S. are not very kind to immigrants coming in. I bet I'll see a female president. A lot of the country doesn't want to see a female president, yeah. which is terrible, you know. And yeah, it's just, it just yeah, it's it feels just kind like, of the truth. You yeah, know? it just feels like an important thing to do to. At least put it out there. This thing exists. Yeah. Do you think you're lucky that you can and you do have the choice to share your opinions through music because you are independent artists and you're your own boss and your own A&R and you do everything yourself? Because if you were at an, a, a label, they might not let you do that. <laughs> I think you're 100% right. Yeah. What you just said was I, right. We didn't yeah. even think about that. But yeah, maybe that's a, we should take advantage of that. Yeah. But, but, I mean, you can do it 
you don't need to take advantage. I'm not saying like you know, freaking go out wearing Bernie Sanders suit or whatever. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, he's a great guy. <laughs> he deserves all the support he can get. Are you voting Bernie? Uh, or you yeah, can't say. We'll I, talk about no, it. No, no, <laughs> I can talk all day about nice. it. I haven't decided. I, I'm. I love Bernie. I love Kamala Harris. I love Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Mm. My brain and mind is open, and so is my heart. I just want to. Uh, I want somebody to fight for justice and fight for equality, and I want to make sure that opportunity is equally distributed, just as equally distributed as talent. That's what I care about. Well said. Nice. So, wow, good. Even if it's Andrew Yang, 2020. Right. Uh, look at Adam. You want to talk about that? Can you talk about Andrew Yang? <laughs> Andrew Yang, go. Yeah, we're, we're, we don't know. We don't know the answer. I, I feel like it's our job to just say something and say something smart and get people talking, or else it feels dishonest. And just be yourself. And yeah. be ourselves, which is we, we, this is what we think about. So let's write about it. It tends to work. Um, <laughs> okay, where do I want to go next? Break my face. That that bass and that trumpet. Yeah, pretty sick. Oh yeah, a right. cool effect play, play on the that. trumpet, right? Yeah, yeah. So on the click, we had a uh, a song called uh, Three Thirty, basically, and the drop from that was like da 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 da. I don't know if you remember that one, but essentially, we took a trumpet and we put um, harmony oh. engine effect on it, uh, which we've never heard another artist do uh, with uh, on an instrument, I believe. Okay, and it basically uh, like creates artificial harmonies. Uh, I, I can give an example. You know, like in in like the uh, the. Uh, Daft Punk, which, oh, uh, get lucky. Hold on. I'm going to give you an example. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like creating artificial harmonies. A lot of people are now using it on their vocals. We thought, let's use it on a trumpet and see what happens. Um, Yeah. Can you just solo that trumpet? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, this was the trumpet alone. And then we added those wow. artificial harmonies. And it so, just sounded yeah. like a new weird instrument. Right? It's like I've never really heard a sound like that. Did JJ play that? Uh, did JJ? I can't remember. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Is it? A- oh, no, I think it's a sample. I think I stole yeah. it offline somewhere and then I repitched it and made it into a new thing. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, so it's just stuff like that is kind of like, why not? Why not put an effect on it? Let's just go one step further and try to make something that someone hasn't really heard before. This one record, Break My Face, how many layers is it? Is it a lot, right? Uh, this one isn't one of the most. The, the most yeah. layers are Next Up Forever and the finale just because it takes so much to create an orchestra and yeah. choir. It's like just takes so many tracks and that's I have to bounce down and start new sessions, bounce down and start new sessions. Mm. What doesn't kill you makes you ugly. Life gives you lemons. At least it gave you something. Yeah. I couldn't believe in that statement <laughs> anymore. Ryan wrote that uh, kind of out of nowhere when we were writing this, and it was like, yeah, that's that's the one. That's that's yeah. going in there, I we, think. We had to write one that you didn't have to think too hard about. Like, a lot of these songs you have you need to, like, listen to a couple times to, like, get the concept and stuff. We needed a couple, and we wrote this towards the end that was just like, let this wash over you the way, like, an easy... Uh, Red Hot Chili Pepper song. Yeah, right? everything's going to be okay. You know, yeah. we need those. Is that it? Because I walked away with, I mean, almost the same. It could always be worse. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There you go. You know, yeah. it's just my face. There's still that dash of irony in there that we kind of can't help but put in. You know, if I break my face, at least it's just my face, you know. <laughs> remember, I'm still alive. I, I remember originally coming up with the Break My Face title, mm. and this is another example like the Harvey Weinstein thing where I went too far. We Remember <laughs> what this was? It was going to be Break My Face. It was going to be something about plastic surgery. Oh, yeah. It was going to be a song about that. And I had like, if I break my face and put it back together, will, and I, I, yeah. will I 
look more like the Kardashians. I forget what the lyric was. And, and, then, and then I think Ryan came to me with that, and I said, that's cool that you're kind of getting out there, but we can't relate to that in the slightest. Yeah. We should not be singing about that. You <laughs> yeah. know? But that's, we that's loved not the idea field. of Break My Face. Because that would have changed the whole meaning of the song. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And that bass, that is a bass line, right, at the top mm. of it? Yeah. It's pretty boom, sick. Boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Are you going to play it? Oh, am I going to play it? <laughs> oh, he's, he's going to play it. Am I going to play it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the baseline. Gives yeah. me some Charlie Puth vibes a little bit. Oh, really? Oh, Charlie Puth. Some, some attention. Oh, right, because he goes into the into the baseline there. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. I like it. Thank you. Um, where do oh, we want to Oh, get- another thing about this album that I really want people to know, because we worked very hard on it. Every song on this album has a piece of another song oh. in it. Oh. So yeah. it can be... Now, this is weird so, because we, we really want this album to be a cohesive piece of art. And no one else is doing this, but it's really important to us. Um, it can be as obvious as, like, I'll give you a, an example. In 100 Bad Days, there's... da 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 In the bridge of karma, there's... That's the most blatant, obvious example. But then there's a lot of examples of, like, a cello plays a melody from another chorus of another song or a lyric. Basically, yeah, every song on the album has those Easter eggs. Uh, Turning out part two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What Easter egg exists in that record? I can't tell. We can't tell everybody. So the reason we did this is so you can go back and try to find that stuff. Maybe listen a little bit closer, and it's Mm -hmm. almost like a fun game. Honestly, I'd have a really fun time if if one of my favorite artists said, I left some Easter eggs in there, go listen. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to listen right now to try to find them. So go find them. I'll (laughs) tell you, in, in Turning Out Part Two, there's a piece of karma. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to yeah. go crazy. Man. I know. I, this is, that's the reaction we were hoping people would have, you know? Yeah. It's but also that, a great way to get your streams up. Right. <laughs> that's the actual reason. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> but I also feel like it really was important for you because it is a cohesive body of work when each song is made up of uh, parts of the others. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It kind of tied it all together into one little ball, yeah. And you can hear it. It, it really is top to bottom. It's a beautiful listen. Was, I have a question quickly about yeah. that. Was that decided before the album was made, or did you go back afterwards and you're like, okay, let's put this together? That was decided before the album was made. We said, let's do that. And then we got to the end of the album. We were like, oh, my God, we didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> So what? So we had to go back and do that. We were, and that was that was definitely a process. Like we had to go and be like, okay, let's put the chorus of this and yeah. let's add a cello. And because it actually it, ended up working. It also couldn't feel like a gimmick. It couldn't feel like we just put it into a song. You know, yeah. It needed to feel like it was intrinsic to the song. So we had to do a lot of rewriting and stuff. That's challenging. Is this working? Yes. <laughs> Welcome. Hey. So we grew up going to so many Broadway shows and we're really big fans of Broadway. And this kind of intertwining songs as they play through albums is such a big motif in so many Broadway shows. I think one of our favorites is Les Mis. And if you listen to Les Mis, there's parts of almost every other song woven into these songs. It's the flow, right? So it's the fact that you can listen and nothing has to ever stop. And there's always a connection point. It's fluid. Definitely. And there are certain emotional pieces that are connected with certain Mm -hmm. melodies that you kind of have that feeling even without listening to the lyrics. It's a story. Yeah, exactly. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, th- an album, I think, is really important to us. I don't know why. Maybe because we were raised on it. But a lot of people say, like, the album is is dying. I don't think that's true. I think people are just trying less hard to make albums that people want to listen to all the way through. Yeah. Um, and that was really important to us. Because I-, I know the feeling I get if I'm in a vampire weekend mood at- on a walk. I'd rather listen to the entire album and know, okay, I'm in the vampire weekend world right now. 
rather than I'm in a playlist of Vampire Weekend kind of songs. Mm. Isn't that the difference, though, between an artist that can sell out venue venues and an artist that might just be a singles artist? I guess so. You're playing two different artistic games, or at least trying to fill your artistic void differently. Yeah, if you have an album that you want to listen to all the way through, essentially you're going to be an artist that someone wants to get to know on a personal level, I think. At least that's all the albums that I listen to all the way through. And if you have just a single to your name, a diamond single, uh, that's all I know about you. I just know the hook. That's all I know about you. Mm. So I don't necessarily want to go see you in concert because I don't really want to go get to know you, you know. But you guys... We know too much. Turning out part two. <laughs> those vocals, very good. You like those vocals? Oh, yeah. love them. That was originally me singing the song, and then yeah. we realized I just did not deliver the emotion at all. <laughs> yeah, there were two. That, there were two that I wrote without Jack, mm-hmm. and it was Dear Winter and Turning Out Part Two. For some reason, the ballads, like the emotional stuff, we can't do together. I just have to do it on my own. Um, I'm a very just. I'm void of emotion. <laughs> I just kind of stare at a wall, and that's it. You know, <laughs> you yeah. surface level. Exactly. Yep. Individual. That's right. And yeah, and for turning out, and for both of them, he sang it. And Dear Winter, he just did a way better job than I did. But something about turning out part two, it just like didn't have the same uh, impact as me singing it. So I gave myself a song on the album. It's nice. Very croony. Um, (laughs) How do you know it's a record that's meant for you and meant for your voice? Me, Ryan, specifically? Yes, you, Ryan. I think there's something kind of just in the universe that shows you. uh, I think the reason that I took Dear Winter is because... Ryan played me that song, Dear Winter, and uh, he played it for me on the piano, and he had no clue what my reaction was going to be. He was facing away from me, and when he finished the song, he turned around, and I was sobbing. I was seriously crying. That's never happened before when anyone's played me a song, and I was crying, and in that moment, the reason I was crying is because I related to it ridiculously. I was like, this could easily be a song that I would have written, and that's why I sounded good on it, I think, because I felt the words. Turning out part two specifically... I is Ryan's story, absolutely. He wrote that from start to finish, and then if I start to sing a song that's not really about me and I can't really relate to, I'm just not going to sound real on it. I'm just not going to sound genuine. Mm. Well, makes sense. Yeah. It is your story. Are you apologizing to somebody for being in a relationship with them that you weren't mentally and physically and emotionally there? Uh, I have to... I can't remember the lyric. <laughs> I, remember uh, I think I wasn't in love yeah. with you. I think I loved the idea of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that song. That. Yeah, yeah, remember that? <laughs> that one. one. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is a real story. Uh, I don't know. It was it was the hardest song I've ever written, 100%. Um, it took me a really, really long time to write um, because I think it was such a hard thing to admit about someone. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I think I, I, I thought that... I, the first thing I thought of was the chorus. I think I probably wasn't in love with you. I think I probably loved the idea of you. And though I may be missing the feel of you, I think I probably wasn't in love with you. And we never write love songs or breakup songs, but as soon as I came up with that, I was like, that's so simple. How has that not been said before? Be- and the reason is because it's so brutal. It's like, we don't even want to play that live because it's such a sad, like, brutal song but we thought for that reason we have to put this on the album but is it you thought of or you experienced experienced so you realize that you're not in love with this person after the relationship is over yeah not during yeah and and the feeling of like i don't know if you if you guys have ever like experienced this but like the feeling of i said it back to you because you said it to me because you said it first and because that's what i was supposed to say you felt pressured yeah and that's a really like sad scary thing uh to admit um but i but for that reason we i had to write it when you said it did it come out easier did you think first 
came out easy. The chorus came out easy. The rest of it was like really, really tough. No, when somebody said I love you yeah. to you, oh. did you just say I love you back without even thinking? Like like it was meant to be? Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This is honestly what we're talking about right now. The mood in the room changed so drastically from before, <laughs> and that's yeah. exactly what we wanted to happen. You know, there's like, there's a lot of emotions on this album. Who's screaming at the end of the record? What's the... Uh, What's screaming? There's oh. like a... a, a turn oh, yeah. oh, that's me. I sang... Are you oh, wailing? You want to show Pull you? it I up. Probably yeah. pitch it down and show you what it sounded like. Hold oh, that, I've never heard that. That would actually yeah. be really cool. Let's nice. see. I'll get you Yeah, that. Can you solo that and pitch it down? I called the track Baby. <laughs> Whoa, for what reason? Because it sounded like a baby. Okay, ready? I'm going to pitch it down. I haven't heard this since I made it. Let's see what I sounded like. <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to be brutal. Here we go. It's going. It's rendering. <laughs> the anticipation is Yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? <laughs> nope, wrong way. <laughs> oh, sorry, wrong way. <laughs> he went in the opposite direction. Oh, my gosh. And here it is. That actually does sound good. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But it, it sounded... That was another one where, like, we it, we were scared of making that into, like, a Billy Joel, like, old-fashioned 80s ballad. We wanted it to feel weird and little snips of, like, electronic feel. You wanted... Almost like Coldplay. Um, what, was the, what was the really small Coldplay album? Oh, like what they call it magic. Yeah, that, whatever. You know that's ghost stories. Ghost stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it's like little hints of electronic. What? It's pretty cool. <laughs> it, it, it's a beautiful record matched with really great production, but you, you feel it, and I don't know. You, you're right. It changes the mood. Right. Yeah. It really definitely. does. Yeah. I, I've been on and off about that that song. It's so weird. Like since I wrote, I was like, "Are you sh- Jack? Are you sure we want this on the album? Oh, this is like yeah. so sad." Is part one and part two about the same person? Because there is no. a turning out part one. No. D- different people. Different bo- people. Both but, from you. But all my story, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how long after you break up with this person do you write this record? Pretty soon, right? Yeah, pretty soon. Like a, a month. Did it help you heal? Were you hurt afterwards? Yeah. Oh, that's another thing I learned. Just anytime I was just feeling bad. I My, my favorite part of the song by far is this ending. Don't love it at all. And that idea of, is this what life's about? Trying to just love the person that you turn out to be. Like, trying to pretend that you love this person because right now I'm not loving it much at all. And I literally have goosebumps, like, now talking about it. That writing that, like, got me through a lot of insecurity about who I was. Writing that allows you to what? Move on to somebody else? Close that chapter? Oh, my God. It allows me to feel like my feelings are valid and that they were productive. Uh, I think that like any artist maybe can relate to this. It's like I went through something really, really, really bad, really hard, but it was worth something. It wasn't in vain and it wasn't forgotten and it won't ever be forgotten because now I wrote a song that encapsulates it. Do you only feel like your emotions are valid if they result in a song? I don't know. Recently, I guess just because we've been in such songwriting mode. That's interesting. I've never thought about it. But like, uh, I think my emotion is like, if it's used for something 
to help someone else or just to be out there, it's a lot more valid than if it just disappears forever. Yeah. Do you feel like you can't feel certain things if it doesn't turn into a record? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's just therapeutic. I think it's just a way of talking about it out loud, which is the healthiest thing you could do when you have a problem, you know? Dear Winter, does that solve a problem or does that just get every thought in your head or like, obviously you created quite the scenario yeah. as you imagine your life. Yeah. Yeah. Dear Winter came, I asked, uh, I asked a girl at Columbia to hang out and she said no. And then I went home. I was just feeling like kind of down. And I wrote this song in about 45 minutes. And that's when I called Jack. I was like, oh, I think we have something special here. I think Dear Winter is probably my favorite song on the album, just as a song, if you forget, yeah, like, production. I'll, I'll go out and say that I think that's the best song he's ever written, in my opinion. Oh, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really just so special. Yeah, and that was similar to Turning Out Part 2. It was like, I'm feeling this thing that's like, what is this? If I can write it and and make myself cry and make myself give myself goosebumps and then do that for Zach, then I understand what this thing is. So... This girl turns you down, and then you just go home. Are you imagining your child with this girl? <laughs> no, I'm imagining uh, how how hard it is to to find the person that's for you. To, and To get to where you want to be. Yeah, and how, I don't know, uh, how hard it is to find someone that's going to like you for all of your really weird shit. Um, it's really hard. Like, for how many people there are in L.A. or New York, it's, like, really hard to find that person that likes all the same TV shows and this and has the same opinions about how to raise your kid. You know, it's like yeah. really hard. And just to think, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, definitely. And just to, to think like it, this doesn't seem realistic that I'm going to find this person, but I really want, I really want to, <laughs> to have a, a son, a, you know, a kid, but this kind of feeling of shoot, I, there's a step I, I have to do before that. Yeah. There's a crucial step. You need somebody else to tango. I mean, yeah. you can always get a kid yourself. But don't don't ruin the song, Zach. So, <laughs> tango, what? No, it takes it takes two to dance. I know. You know. Um, do you put crazy expectations on a relationship or a potential suitor? I think we all do. I think. Do we? Not me. Really? Do you yes, go- you do. What are you talking about? You, <laughs> you do. definitely do. You're the prime example of you do. <laughs> I'm kidding. Maybe, maybe. but no, I, you're right. I we, think so. I think yeah. the longer you're single, the more you build this perfect person that oh they're gonna like all the same things as me and they're gonna laugh at all my jokes and that it yep. doesn't exist at a certain point you either most people either settle or they find someone that's different and just as good of what they thought they would find well i think that that perfect view you at uh, the longer you're in a relationship with someone you realize the less at least for me the less great that is honestly i think it's great when sometimes someone could say that's not funny at all you know instead yeah. of just laughing at your joke i think i find a lot of virtue in that seriously i think that's when you really connect with someone you know yeah because not everything should be the same exactly yeah do you really want to hang out with another ryan yeah oh jesus oh, God. <laughs> you might be the only one <laughs> Most narcissistic person in this room yeah. by far. I mean, look at me, Zach. Of course, I would want to hang out with this guy. If I can only see myself all day, I would. <laughs> I just think it's a lot to hang out with another version of yourself. Yeah, no, of, uh, of course, it's not another version of myself. But you know what I mean. Like you've seen How I Met Your Mother. No, no. Uh, the whole show is is about him building up this perfect girl. Uh-huh. She's going to be a bassist in the band, and you know, and it doesn't turn out to be any of that, but it turns out to be even better. Um, and I thought, let's write a song about. The, kind of a sad feeling of of wishing for something that 
You think of it as a happy song, right? I think of it as a sad song, but you think it's happy. Yeah, I think of it as, I gotta meet your mom first. That's gonna happen yeah. at some point. And he sees it as, oh, that might never happen. And maybe I won't even see you on this earth. But yeah, it's so funny it's how we get to see yeah. opposite things. Yeah, That is art. Yeah, seriously. And I, I perceived it the same way. I, I understood and I felt your nerves and your angst and your, not. I don't even say frustration. You were just scared, you know? Are you scared today? Of what yeah. same exact feeling? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just as scared. But are we swiping on the dating apps? Nah. <laughs> you can make Dear I'm Winter kind of sick your, of that. You can make Dear Winter your song on Ryan. Oh, oh my that's God. so lame. <laughs> that's so terrible. Don't do and their it. first message is always, Yeah, I wrote that. Uh, yeah, you hear that. <laughs> Honestly, I think what you just said before is like, and that's art, is the perfect distinction between the click and neo theater. If we're trying to find one, it's neo theater. A lot of the songs are up for interpretation, and the click, none of the songs are up for interpretation. We're saying exactly what we mean, you know. <laughs> and I think that's a really cool step to take that we were really happy with. So, but you you're still speaking clearly and honestly, right? Totally. I feel yeah. like I'm in your head, but, or you're in yeah. mine. But there are places that are exactly like what, what we just talked about. Dear Winter is pretty obvious, but did he mean it in a good way? Did he mean it in a bad way? And then let's have an argument. To about that i find that really cool will we still hang out and talk when i'm no longer in charge that's roughly the lyric right Isn't yeah that's it? yeah, it, yeah. Uh, how was your relationship with your parents yeah in that song and I, inspired yeah. that record yeah totally it completely inspired I, I i i wrote it so quickly because i didn't have to imagine anything i just remember my dad taking a shot with adam on his 21st birthday <laughs> and i know the feeling while i was writing it i know what it was my mom texted me she was like hey just just want to see how your day was and like deep inside, it's because maybe she's she kind of misses me, but she's like, I want to make sure you're okay. There's a really interesting emotional dynamic there. And I saw her text, and I didn't write back. I just wrote that. Well, uh, uh, please don't say I'm hovering when I text you to ask about your. I, I swear to God, I, as soon as Ryan played me that song, I called my parents right away. As soon as you played it for my girlfriend, she called her parents right away. Everyone we play it for just texts their parents right away, saying, "Hey, how's it going? How's your day?" Because I feel I felt so bad. I didn't talk to my parents in days before that. Yeah. You know? Do you really want to name your kid Winter? I do, yeah. I've always wanted to. Well, now you have to. Yeah. Do you like the name Winter? <laughs> I love it. For, for a boy. Either one. Boy is, it, or girl. is it a girl's name, generally? I think it's more of a girl's name, but I right. love it for a boy. Did you, when you heard the song, did you imagine a boy? Oh, well, I guess technically we, we allude to it being a boy. Yeah. Well, I actually imagined a girl. You imagined a girl. Yeah. Interesting. Right. And I thought uh, the first line there, because you do mention them falling in love with uh, another gender, and it starts yeah. with girl, and I didn't realize that it was about a boy, but then I was like, oh, you guys are progressive. Right. <laughs> we hope you talk to girls or boys or anyone you like. Yes. So that that's yeah, that's But what it I'm started to. with girls, so I was like, ah, okay. You, right. sta you started uh You started with the, the lesbian relationship and yes. then went to the straight relationship. Okay, gotcha. It's a, it's a homo nor normative society. There you go. Louder, my friend. Yep, we're gonna, homo normative. We're gonna live in a world where we don't have to come out. You just live <laughs> you your go. life. Yeah, yeah, ideal world. Bernie Sanders, give it to me. Yeah, that is ideal. <laughs> um Wow. Dear Winter really is. It's a big sync record. Are you ready for big success to come with that song? Because I think it's going to happen. You think so? I, I think it's like, hey there, Delilah. So yeah, oh. the, the funny thing about that is we've always been a band uh, that people can really kind of get hyped to, at least. E even the more acoustic-y ones sober up, people kind of go crazy to at, at a concert. So if we're thinking about Dear Winter as like a real successful song, that's going to be really interesting and cool because we've never, ever had a ballad do super well. So that's going to be a fun new journey to go on. And your vocals are sick. You, you Thank right? you. You ready to sing that one? 
Yeah, I think I'm you were, ready. You were crying through was, that. That was the session. most fun recording session we've ever had because I was seriously crying the entire time. It was just like it was also minutes where he played this for me, and he was like, "Okay, let's go write our essays for our film class or something." I was like, "No, we're not doing those essays ever. We're going to go record <laughs> this right now, and I'm going to sing it." And it was so re- uh, fresh and raw Do that you? I was just still crying. Um, and so, yeah, if you yeah, play the this, last, this the very last chorus. <laughs> So this is where I start Will to cry. We still you can hear. hang out and talk when I'm no longer in charge. Oh dear yeah. winter, I hope you like your name. I hope you let me take a shot with you on your 21st. So that's just as. But shit, you gotta ask your mom first. I remember that. Oh. Mom first. So all really the shakiness crying. in there and all the screaming is me trying to go uh, get over the tears that were coming down. Power through the tears. Yeah, exactly. So- and honestly, it is so cool when you could have a story like that because that's the take that you have to use. You know, you come on. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It's so beautiful. Thank you. And Thanks so much. Deal breaker if your partner doesn't want to name the kid Winter? You, you better prepare yourself for that. I know. You, should honestly? it be? I, I, I don't know. No. I mean, you got no, a song out. Be. You got to be able to play this for them one day. What yeah. if you play it for them and it's this great moment? They're like, I don't like that song. That's <laughs> We're not naming it Winter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe it is a deal breaker. I really want to name my kid Winter. I mean, you can have more than one kid, but I think the first one should be Winter. Yeah, definitely. And maybe, I, maybe I should name like a fish Winter or something. No, to just that's really check sad, that Ryan. Don't do that. The fish will die quickly. No, please. <laughs> so quick. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this song's gonna be around for a long time. Let's let's attach it to a human and not <laughs> okay, a freaking koi fish or something. <laughs> Jesus. Um, wow. That's it's such a beautiful record. Thank you, man. Thank you. Is that your favorite on the album? If yes, you it is. That's your favorite? Yes. That one in the first record, um, Next Up Forever. Mm. For Forever, I'm sorry. No, um, you're right. Next Up Forever. Oh. Yeah. It's whatever you want it to be. So I'm not going to lie. I've been seeing all the song titles on the Dropbox. So right, I, right. I, I see them <laughs> very short. So I only see a few different letters and it yeah. cuts off after F-O. So I didn't oh, know if it was right. next up for That's forever fine. or next up forever. Everyone we sent it to thought it was the entertainment instead of the entertainment's here because yeah. they didn't know what the whole song, they couldn't see the full title. I got on that one because of the lyrics. Yeah, right. There you go. Uh, that's a great record. When I was trying to break that one down in my brain, I, I, I couldn't attach a motive mm. to it from you guys. Yeah. And I know I you pretty well. Agree 100%. I agree 100%. I have no idea what, the, what it is. What that's about. Uh, yes. Okay, yeah. So that was another one where we kind of got over our writer's block. And we were like, okay, let's just have fun and maybe let's not try so hard. And that was the prime example. Basically, the song is just how uh, bored society gets now and kind of how reliant we are on people to just distract us and sit there and how it's such an amazing moment when we are being distracted. Oh my God, the entertainment's here. So uh, the story behind that one was we were up on our tour bus at like 4 a.m. writing this thing and we just had, oh my, oh my God, the entertainment's here. And I think the clock hit like 4.01 and suddenly the inspiration just hit and we wrote literally the entire song in 10 minutes. Like Seriously, yeah. so quickly. So we got really inspired by um, this Kanye song. Uh, the the snare and the kick specifically. Listen, yeah. the kick is really... Really low, thumpy, and the snares, the tightest snare. Right, they're like opposite frequencies, and so we really wanted a verse that yeah. felt like. Um... I loved it very much. I made the song my alarm, and now I opposite kinda ends hearing of the, it the sound spectrum. You know? Yeah, like a little kid. I don't wanna be bored. Yeah, I used to be this 
distracted rolling round in yeah. And we uh, we just kind of started thinking about lyrics and what are a lot of stuff that we're bored of. You know, I, I, I love a song. I made it my alarm and now I hate it. And now I'm bored again. You know, I love a food and it's no longer my favorite food. Now I'm bored again. It's the evolution yeah. of entertainment. Right, exactly. Even from, you start from when you're a little kid, you know. Yeah. You, you mentioned dirt or like going right, outside right, yeah, or rolling something. rolling around in the dirt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's like a weird commentary on like what our position is in society too as artists. Like what's our... What's our job? Is our job to distract people? Maybe. And maybe that's a good thing. Is it for an escape? Do you think? That's yeah. what you provide? I, I think sometimes we provide a, an escape. Sometimes we provide a, a prescription glasses to see things clearer. A mirror. A, a mirror. That's probably better. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> who's, who's listening to the Kanye song when you guys are like, okay, we need this. And then how do you decide, okay, this is the song for that? Uh, most of the time it's random. Uh, most of the time it's, I, I, I listened to that and I heard it. Um, we're just big Kanye fans. We're big, uh, like hip hop fans. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe why a certain drum set feels right in a certain song. We, um, we both have something called synesthesia. Do you know what that is? Never. I forget if we've talked about it on the show before. You see sound and color? Yeah. So we, I see shapes and colors, uh, when I hear songs and it's often how I produce. So like, for instance, those drums, the, the kick, the really just low end, I see like a big oval that's like kind of. Uh, almost like a cushion and then the snare i see a like a little uh triangle that's made of wood and so that to me is a really pleasant picture and that's how it feels like and with jack's vocals sitting right in the middle of it that feels like a really aesthetically pleasing picture whenever i hear the song so that's how i and tend it, to produce. it's, it's so, instinctual like that's it just it, it's always what we think of basically it's the first thing that comes to our head and that kind of helps us realize that's what we want right there you know do you think this instinctual behavior only works when it's the two of you or the three of you working together? Does it, like, stop when somebody else comes into the picture or you separate and work? Well, we've never really had anyone else work on music with us, except Rivers Cuomo on, on Sober Up. But that was Heard just, of them? Yeah, exactly. That was just the last thing. Uh, I, I guess I don't write songs by myself. I don't write full songs by myself. I start ideas. But he writes full songs by himself. So do you have an answer to that question? Uh, yeah, I think it... I see I see those kind of shapes. He tends to agree because we just we grew up together and we just have right. the same kind of brains in, yeah. in a lot of ways. When we you know what it is when we write for other artists, often that can be stopped because like you, you have to learn to put your ego aside. If I see that this kind of shape and they're making something that is like a trap snare, that's like a metal ball that I see and it doesn't quite fit. If they want that and it's their song at some point, I have to just put my ego aside. Does every sound have one shape? Drums, drum yeah. sounds have a shape, and it could even be like, here, ready? Uh, th- here's a snare. Hold on. And do you see it every time? I see it every single time. Yeah. Uh, hold on. I'm curious to know what you're gonna pull up. Yeah, wait. I'm gonna pull up the snare. Where the hell is that snare? Okay, here's the snare. So, right now I'm seeing a uh, a wood triangle. Now I'm like upping the EQ of it so that there's a lot more high end. Yeah. What do you see now? Now I see it. It's rounded. It's not a triangle anymore. And they hear the little on top. Yeah. I see on top of it. Like so it's swiggle? a round thing with like uh, dust on top. I know. I, I, I love the faces because it's so incredibly difficult to kind of uh, what do you make see? someone understand. I don't see shapes. I just see the colors. Absolutely. So what color you see? For the entertainments here, it's white and yellow. Uh, the first, as soon as we put it on or someone says the entertainment's here, it's just that's the first thing that pops into my mind. Every, just the entire arrangement. Outside of vocals in a studio, what is Jack delivering that you're not? Uh, he's more in touch. I'm more in touch with emotional songs. He's more in touch with what 
the cool kids are doing now. He's yeah. I mean, when I think yeah. cool, I think you. <laughs> Finally, someone yeah. says it. Yeah. Uh, he, I don't know. He just he has an instinct. He he has a gut reaction for like, oh, the the kids are gonna think that this is lame. The kids are gonna think this is cool. Kids our age. He's I, yeah. I don't yeah. know. What, what, also, why do I you think, think you're like that. Uh, like that? I I don't know. There's no explanation. I don't know. I just think I've observed people really closely. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's not even an age thing. Like our manager, you know, Steve. Oh yeah. He's fifty something. He has the same thing as Jack. He's cooler than me. He knows what kids like more than more than I do. I think it's just a personality. So you speak from within. Yeah. Yeah. Own- yeah, it's not great to have this role because I do a lot of nixing. I do a lot of, like, cutting yeah. because he's like, what about this idea? And then I am forced to be like, you know, I don't think my friend is going to want to dance to that, you know. <laughs> to the Harvey Weinstein song. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is there an idea that you guys clashed on while making Neo Theater that stands out? Um, That's a great question that we should have thought of before we came in the interview yeah. because that was definitely bound to come up. Can you think of anything off the top of your head? Hold on, give me a sec. I'm, go- I'm going through the songs. Anything on Beats? Beats yeah. was by far the uh, hardest song to write. Yeah, on it's the a ballsy album. record. <laughs> yeah, we knew we wanted the line. All we had basically was would Beats by Dre pay 20K for us to say that they're great. This uh, recording costs for this whole song could all be paid by Beats by Dre. Well, I hope you're worth more than $20,000. I mean, that aside, we had that for two years, just that one line. And we wrote the song four times with that line in some different place. And we just couldn't yeah. get it right because it's so not a song it's like not a line that you anyone would ever put in a song mm-hmm. but we were like this concept is so cool to us we yeah. have to make the song it's like the you concept know? of like you've had a little su- success in whatever you're doing how do you capitalize on that is that going to be gone tomorrow should you just like try to make a lot of money should we now? sell out right now is that the way we're going to remain relevant or should we just bet on ourselves you know so are you are you mocking product placement a little bit uh, yeah maybe a little uh, yeah, bit or maybe just like calling attention to it yeah but is it product placement or is it fame in general both i think you can extrapolate it that's what i mean that's what we like about our songs that like come hang out is about our elvis duran weird story but so many people write to us saying i'm into photography and and that's why i was able to relate to it so we thought i I think beats by dre is such a weird specific chorus but if we could make it bigger and more important and make it something about fame in general or about capitalizing on fame i I really when i listened to the record i thought it was you guys coming to terms with fame Mm. and understanding it a little bit more just right. just based on experiencing it i think it was just i mean that that's awesome that you that you had that view but i think when we were just writing it was just coming from a place of fear just a place of okay there's some success here what are we gonna how are we gonna keep the success because we've seen so many cases with artists where it disappears like that you have that one song or that one kind of 15 minutes and then it's gone and then you look back and say i should have done the thing with chevy you know i should have done more to capitalize and we never really made a choice in the song we were just like let's just put our thoughts out there we all witness artists we have instagrams and things cautionary tales are there any that exist on your feed or in your zone artists that tell you what not to do what to stay away from I know social oh, media is like a bad... A lot of people say like, oh, social media makes them upset. We don't have this problem. We have a lot of other problems. Being on Instagram doesn't make me upset. I don't have that problem that I compare myself to other people. I don't know why. Maybe that makes me weird. It's because you're beautiful, Ryan. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I just need another Ryan. Oh, my God. This <laughs> is just the Ryan ego boost session. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts about I don't know how to answer that question, honestly. So there's no, there's no artist out there that you watch as Cautionary Tales? You, yes, of, of course there are. Thank you, Adam. I mean, yeah, chime in. Yeah, I mean, I, from not a creative perspective, but from kind of the more business and marketing yeah. and looking at it from that perspective, there are tons of Cautionary Tales on Instagram. 
I mean, I'm not going to name any names. That's fine. But how far do you go in terms of selling out? Do you include the little name right below your your uh, your own name and Instagram? Do you include uh, stuff in the comments? Do you tag brands? Do you um, put on a jacket that has a brand on it? How how far can you go and still maintain your own identity? So right, because we're, we're music industry is weird right now. It's not making as much money as it used to. So artists are like, even the coolest artists are like, how do I figure out how to make money in this? And therefore, we're all forgiving selling out a little more like it used to be so uncool to get your song in any kind of commercial that was like the lamest thing and now if you don't have a song in a commercial you think like oh no one asked you to be in a commercial yeah you broke you know what i mean yeah it it makes sense you need to sell out essentially yeah so it's a weird transition world that we wanted to comment the other thing is we're at a place where people might recognize us for something else aside from our music if we do a big brand endorsement. Yeah. And we don't want that. We want the focus to be on the music 100%. So, I mean, if we, let's say, did a commercial for somebody and some grandma in Omaha said, oh, I know those guys. Those are the guys from the blank commercial. We wouldn't want that to happen. We want we would want them to recognize us from the music. So <laughs> putting a record like this, Beats by Dre, out into the world and hard, tangible copy of it, it pretty much forces you to never take a brand deal like that. Do you- yeah, I mean, we're mocking it in a sense, and then we're also you- just saying this is what's truth. We're not saying we're definitely not going to do it. We're saying it could, this could happen, and maybe that's something we'll have to do. Who knows? Yeah, well, it's very open-ended. Mm. There's a line, though, there, I, and I'm not sure what it is for us yet because we haven't been approached with those kinds of deals yeah. yet. <laughs> I mean, we've, we're not really big enough for that yet. I don't <laughs> well, think. Yeah. We've done some, like, tiny things, but, I yeah. mean, we can get to a point where it doesn't compromise the art. And I think that's for everyone to make their own decision how far the money and the brand kind of association would compromise the art. Uh, I was just about to offer you about $150,000 to put my face on your white T-shirt. Right here? But for the entire tour. (laughs) $150,000? That's a good deal. That is good. Doesn't David Dobrik use your songs in the vlogs? Oh, yeah, he does. But So I, I assume a lot of his fans would be like, I know those guys from David Dobrik's vlogs. But it's still the music that they're knowing. That's the only thing they know about us is the music. Okay. Yeah, it's not us. Hey, this is AJR. Check out State Farm. You know, whatever it is. If a commercial wanted to use our song, like there's, I don't know, there's a Microsoft commercial now that's using Sober Up. That's totally fine with us because it's really still just focused about music and that's what they'll know about us. But if we were in a commercial endorsing a product or like very visibly endorsing something in our music videos, that's where I think the line is drawn for us at the moment. So your success isn't attached to you endorsing Fit T or not. We got that. (laughs) What is that? Uh, It's just some Instagram thing that all the Instagram influencers endorse. It it was a joke. It was a terrible joke. (laughs) Thanks, Adam. Sure. Um, What is that? (laughs) Fit tea is like a bummer on a conversation. You drink this tea and it makes you skinny. It's that simple. Oh, fit tea. Okay, nice. Um, You shouldn't have made my mic work again. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to splice up the interview and have me say, fit tea? Fit tea. (laughs) (laughs) Make that your advertisement. (laughs) Probably brought you by fit tea. Fit tea. (laughs) tea. AJR loves fit tea. (laughs) That's a really good idea. Thanks. Yeah, there you go. Um, Success, people can measure it, define it in so many different ways. But you're in a phase right now where you have a brand new album out in Neo Theater. You have another tour coming. You're branching out into the European markets. There's a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. How do you measure success as it relates to this album? Mm. Uh, amazing question. Yeah. We think about this a lot, and I've talked to other artists about this, and it's a growing thing. I think there's 
quantity hits and there's quality hits. Mm-hmm. And quantity hits are when you go outside your fan base and reach a way bigger number of people and all the people are like, I like that song. And a quality hit is you reach your fan base and they all love the song and it changes them and it turns them into super fans and they become a lot more invested. That's really what we care about, the, the quality. We, we have songs like that. I've written songs like that for other people that if you look technically, it didn't get this high at radio and have this many spins, but it did so much for them in the... Amongst um, their fan in base. The DNA of their fan base and their career, yeah. So that's that's what we think about. I think if we can keep putting out songs, and I feel this with like Birthday Party, and I, I hope I feel this with, with other songs, where people are like, oh, that's them? Oh, that's another side of them? That That's how I think we could stay really engaged and excited. Do you want to balance both quantity and quality hits? Yeah, I think we, we definitely want to grow the fan base because it's really fun to grow these shows, and I like seeing people tell their their friends, but... I never really want to get to a point where everybody's like, yeah, I like them. I want everybody who's a fan of us to be like, I either I really love them and then everybody else is like, I hate them. So have we talked about Don't Throw Out My Legos? It's <laughs> <laughs> a perfect pickup. Nobody will ever know. That was perfect. You, you definitely didn't give any indication there. Yeah. Let's cut it halfway through. Have we talked to Don't Throw Out My Legos? <laughs> <laughs> I tried so hard. Anyway. No, you didn't at all. You didn't try at all. <laughs> anyway, I was gonna say because to me that's the most like personally relatable song on the whole album. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. I was listening to it, I was like, every time I go to my parents' house, there's little things that they're like, let's throw this out. I'm like, uh, I don't know if we should throw it out yet. Yeah. And it's oh. been like 10, 15 years, and they're still trying to get me to throw out these little things. That's actually so cool. Wow. Yeah. So you that's st- what I got from that. You started with that, right? You said let's write a song about moving out. Yeah. I think we had that melody, the da 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 da, for a really long time. We didn't know what to do with it, and then. I was walking down the street and I said, go home, go home. And I called Ryan. I was like, it's moving out. We have to write a song about moving out. And because we were in the middle of moving out. And Ryan said, of course, that's what that's what has to happen. And Ryan took the lead and said, don't throw out my Legos. What if I can't let go to make it on a, a little bit more personal? Um, and it was extremely personal because we have a huge box of Legos at home. And if they ever get thrown out, I think we might be devastated because we always want that piece of us to um, be at home and to feel like we're living at home yeah but why do you need it why do i need to feel like i'm living at home yes Uh, because it's a scary thing to move out into the world and it's and it feels better if you feel like if i needed to come back home i wouldn't be you know i wouldn't be yelled at it's like okay you tried you can you can come home. i don't know a little piece of your brain would feel better knowing i could come back home and play with lego we have a really important tradition in our family and it for my birthday we do the exact same thing Uh every single year for i don't know at least 10 years yeah um we all sleep at our parents' place. We wake up. We play with Legos in the morning. And every year they get me, like, some Lego set. Yeah. Like and a build-your-own, follow yeah. the instructions. And we go play paddle ball. And then we eat at the same Italian restaurant. And it's the same thing I want to do every single year because it brings me back to that place. Sleeping in the bed that I slept in in my parents' apartment. Waking up. My dad actually makes challah French toast. Which is the sick... You hit that toe. Yeah. So thick French toast. Yeah. Um, But waking up and playing those Legos and us sitting on the floor. And we're like kind of adults now. So it's it's weird. But at the same time, it brings me back to that five-year-old moment. And Legos have that kind of emotional connection to me. And... Everyone who's heard the song, because we've been playing it live even before that, before, yeah. the, before the song came Your out. Your last tour. Yeah. yeah. People are singing along, and they have their own thing that they're saying in their mind. It doesn't necessarily have to be Legos. People are relating to it on all different levels. But for me and, and for them, it's Legos is that thing. Mm-hmm. My puppets are still at home. 
So there you go. You can yeah, relate. It's the same thing. Yeah, I'm and just for that imagining one, Zach playing with puppets just like yeah, <laughs> alone. I was, I was so in good. A, in a dark bro. room. <laughs> they were my yeah. only friends. Oh, okay. So we, um, can, we could cut that one out, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're keeping it in. Yeah. The world will know the real you. <laughs> um, for that one, like I was saying, that kind of old close har- uh, harmony choir, old old-fashioned stuff, we wanted to sample our own sample to a degree. And... I thought of this production idea, again, because I had a really clear visual of, like, pieces of, like, you know, uh, like, VCR tape (laughs) that are, like, cut. And I saw one over here, one over here, one, you know, just in different places. And I saw just kind of look over here, look over here of these these things. So we basically created these samples, like I, I said before, with these old mics and cut it up to sound new. Essentially, it goes into the, the big hip hop band, you know, like here. Yeah. And yeah. you got really excited when I showed you. Oh that. my God. Yeah. Because we, we wrote the song and then he was like, okay, I'm going to go produce it. And he was like, Jack, I have this like start to it. And it sounded exactly like that. And I was like, that's, that's it. Don't yeah. do anything else. You know, that's, we have the song. Dude, Adam. Are you being tuned into these records every, once they're done, or do you just sit down and soak in a ton of them at once? Because That's obviously, it's the two of you. Can I first just do an impersonation of what you just did? Dude, Adam, <laughs> wait, I've never seen someone's brain work that way before. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was good, yeah. Sorry, you could answer the question. Adam, anyway, yeah. we were rudely interrupted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but for real, do you... Do they send you the records as they're done? Like, at what point in this creative process are you brought into them? So it's different for every song. Something that's so integral to who AJR is is the fact that production is part of the writing process and that a lot of the sounds that they use in in production kind of make the song what it is and contribute to the lyrics and the feeling of it. So some songs I will hear when there's just a demo. Some songs Ryan will just play and, and I'll hear it. And some songs, they will want to wait until it's fully produced to hear it because they feel that I won't understand fully what the song, what the intention behind the song is until it has the production. So it depends on the song. But whenever I get a text with with an MP3 in it, I'm excited because it's always going to be something new and something weird. Are you okay giving notes? Um, It's like our first line of defense, I think. Yeah, we, we, we like taking a lot of risks. Sometimes he's like, okay, you went a little too far. This is, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, he's always the first person we send it to. I tend to be the more um, practical. <laughs> and uh, The more mature, big no, brother. No, no, no. I'm thinking about that, yeah. No, I mean, I, I set kind of the box around us, not in a creative sense, but in like the more business and marketing sense. So it just, uh, I kind of put the songs in there, throw them into that box and, See what I feel about them. Yeah, because dude runs the entire, like, he runs the business of AJR. There's, mm-hmm. a, you know, a- other people now, but, like, you are the brains. Yeah. Creative. Well, I handle business. Almost all the business coming coming up, for sure. I do have one other question <laughs> sure. I wanted to ask. What are some of, like, the weirdest things you guys have used to make sounds or noises? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Is there, there's a cowbell I heard. Sorry, I interrupted. But there's a cowbell, I think, in one of the records. Which record? Is it, um, hold on, uh, Karma? 
Oh, ting 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 ting. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we love that. I I I want to I'm thinking of weirdest as I'm saying this the, these other answers. What I one that I'd love is the entertainments here when Ryan put it in. I was like that changes the song. In the do you mind going to it? in yes. the chorus he we had the whole song finished and he was like no, I have to add something. And he added the sound of a school bell ringing every time the <clears throat> excuse me, every time the chorus starts and it's like, "Oh, here's the chorus." It's this like really interesting effect that's like ring and he'll play it for you in one second, but it's almost like Something is arriving or something is ending, and it perfectly encapsulates the chorus. So, ah. uh, yeah, here. you can listen closely. But oh my, oh my God, the entertainment! Oh yeah! yeah. Like, oh wow! It, yeah, it's like yeah, something it's, has uh, yeah. Why don't you solo it? This. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Uh, YouTube. Yeah, and I steal I a lot of things off YouTube. To, to your question, I think it's just so cool how little things like that can just make all the difference in in a song and a chorus. I think that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, because yeah. there's no logical reason you're let out of school. If you start thinking about it too much, it doesn't make any sense. But it's just the feeling you get of it's just forward. a school bell. A school bell. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's. I would, yeah, that's cool. Is that yeah. cool? Was that <laughs> yeah. a good answer? That's a great answer. Yeah. Okay. Do you approve of my answer? Yeah. Is that all right? <laughs> I mean, I approve. I want more, but yeah. No. <laughs> weird wise, we'll have to think about that. Honestly, well, uh, can you think of anything weird off the top of your head? I mean, we use we didn't record it live, but the, like, there's like a clarinet and acoustic bass in uh, "Birthday Party." The way it starts. Oh yeah, fans have very mixed feelings about that because that is. I think that's very weird. I think that's a perfect word. Dude. Yeah, and uh, it's not. We, we took it from a, again a, a weird sample online and repitched it and made it into its uh, its own thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The the best live stuff we got was like the orchestra and mm-hmm. choir. I think that's probably the weirdest stuff we got. One of my favorite lyrics on the album is from Wow, I'm Not Crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, they told us to be different, but no one told me uh, I could go too far. Yeah. Do you feel like you've gone too far? Sometimes I feel like we've gone too far. I think that's like why we wrote that line. I feel like... I don't even know how to answer that. Yeah, I feel like when we were writing that, uh, we were feeling exactly that. Like, wow, like, I feel, I'm feeling kind of crazy. And then it's like, wow, I'm, I, you speak, and it's like, wow, I'm not crazy. And in terms of that specific line, I was feeling exactly that, basically. We were trying super hard to be different, but then you could reach a point where people are like, okay, that's now you actually sound like a crazy person. <laughs> I think I've reached that point many times in yeah. my life where I've, people are like, just stop talking there. You, you're not very cool but anymore. But they told us to be different. Exactly, yeah. I think a toe over the line now and again is good because it lets you know where your own line is. Yeah. I get that. It reminds you of yeah, how far you should go. Yeah. That didn't think of that. <laughs> you actually hate clowns? Um, <laughs> uh do I actually I don't know. I don't know. I think that with that song we were just kind of writing what what sounded good basically. In yeah, that, that was another that that and what was the other one I said was easy? Oh, break my face. Those we wanted the two to just be wash over you. Yeah, we wrote that in a parking lot in Denver, uh, just walking around. Yeah, that was an easy one. Naturally. Yeah, I, yeah, it's cool to do it on tour because you could literally remember every single location that you wrote every single song in, so you could kind of follow it back and track it back. What does AJR represent to us or to to the to, the, to, to the you world? first, and then next to everybody else? Judaism. <laughs> At its, at its finest, Judaism baby. At its peak. Physical Judaism at its, at its finest. Best answer I've ever heard. <laughs> that's the one. I mean, that's uh, accurate. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know. Uh, a voice that, uh, that says, hey, everybody, this is a thing that's true. Talk about it. Not this is what we think. This is what you need to think. It's just this is a truth that 
is kind of from a weird perspective. What do you think? So that's AJR to you. Yeah. What yeah. do you think AJR is to everybody else? Um, I think, I mean, at least from what we've heard just from fans, it's, I think, uh, a great escape for them. I think coming to our show, listening to our music and hearing these positive, ironic, but also a little bit dark spins on things are just something really new that they don't really get to hear on a daily basis. So they kind of come and listen to us to just be like, watch the show, you know, <laughs> let's, let's experience this weird feeling for an hour. Literally. Neo yeah. theater is that. Right. Exactly. And it flows like a show. We've, uh, we have, there's parts Easter eggs, different right, exactly. parts of different songs yeah. in each other. It's like incest, kind of. I guess it's oh kind of like God. incest. You feeling? We we thought about this. We, <laughs> I don't I don't know if I'd want to describe an album as incest. Probably not. Yeah. Just within songs, incest. That's what you're saying. No, no, no. Like they're you're marrying songs together. Well, because there's parts of different songs in different. <laughs> We'll start from the top, no. because apparently we're just, you know, just stopping down today. AJR loves fit. <laughs> no. Um, um, well, one thing about the show that I wanted to say, we, we conceptualized the tour while we made this album, and we tried to think about the album as, like, the Broadway soundtrack to the Broadway show that is the tour. So, like, Next Up Forever and the finale, for example— we know exactly what the, and we knew exactly while we were writing it, what the visuals on the tour were going to be. We knew uh, the, uh, welcome to the Neo Theater. We can't wait to see what you do next. Is like that big bombastic yeah. ending. We knew exactly when we were going to take the bow. We know what's going to be on the screen, where we're going to be walking. So we very much wanted to conceptualize the tour and album at the same time and make them all the same piece of art. So stage show is done. Stage show, we're still working on it, but we know exactly what happens where. Now we're creating all the content. We've, uh, we've scrapped everything from the Click Tour, and we completely started from scratch, which was really fun for us, well, for sure. Different era, different Yeah, completely chapter. different. Different yeah, what show. What we like to say is if, if you think you've seen us before on tour, you honestly really haven't, because it's all completely new. So I have seen you, but I really haven't seen exactly. you. Exactly. Okay. You got it, yeah. Neo Theater is the album. It does flow like a Broadway show, beyond the fact that there are Easter eggs, so uh-huh. different elements from different songs in other songs. Did I describe that kind of correctly? Yeah, sure. That's it. Thank you. But there's also a finale, which is beautiful, and it, it's really a collection of every song that you hear on the album. Mm-hmm. The same way a Broadway show would work. Right, yeah. You just looked at Adam for the Broadway show part. Yes, I did. You guys are, like, really getting along right now. Yeah. Like, Want to go to a show? Yeah. I would All love right. to. It's been <laughs> way too long since I've gone to a musical. <laughs> Broadway misses me. That's right. I, that's what I hear. Dear Winter, beautiful record. That Thank is you. my uh, pick. A Grammy, do we put stake in that? Do we care about that? Do we care about that gramophone, that trophy? Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like anyone that says, I, I don't care about a Grammy. Come on. Everyone likes validation. And and there's no limit to the amount of time someone can say, this is I like this album or a great job. It just feels really good when you've worked really hard on something. We would absolutely love a Grammy. That's not the first thing that we think of. But if we can get one, of course, we're going to be super happy. You know, uh, I would like to see a nomination. Let's do it, Zach. Off of this Me album, Neo Theater deserves a nomination. <laughs> wow, thank, thank you. I'm going to put you. it out there into the universe. Thank you. You know, if the Grammy gods are listening right now, listen to this album. It deserves your ear. Thank you. Wow. Because it's a journey top to bottom. AJR, I appreciate you deeply. Yeah, thank you for having us. I love you deeply. Wow. Love you, bud. Thank you, thank you for giving me a, really, a great album top to bottom. Final thought, Dan? Thank you guys very much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> AJR, everybody. <laughs> This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.